This is Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! With the voice of Vegas, your host, RJ Bell. Pay that man his money. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Live from the Vegas Strip, the pregame show America has always wanted. Here's Bernie Fratto. You know, I've said it many times. We don't have royalty in this country. Our athletes, they're our royalty. And uh, I can just simply say this, that with March Madness around the corner and the NBA playoffs, <clears throat> maybe Major League Baseball and the NFL draft, there's always just, there's just always so much to look for. Um, so at any rate, I've said many times before, the sports are the greatest reality show invented. You can script everything but the outcome, and that's why this time of year is so much fun. On that note, I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And tonight, in the first hour, we're, we're going to devote most of the first hour, Department of Redundancy Department, to March Madness. Says, yes, believe it or not, Selection Sunday is just one week away. And, and is it really a wide-open tournament, like everybody says? Well, I'm not so sure. In fact, I've identified what I would call a six-pack of teams who can win it all, and that means win six in a row, single elimination, Win or go home. Those are games that are not for the faint of heart. There are only six teams, I think, that can do that this year. And uh, I will list them for you. Now, I've done a similar exercise uh, last four years in a row, last five years in a row. And I was right for the five. The one time I was wrong was the year Virginia snuck in with Tony Bennett. And they won the national championship after losing to uh, Maryland, Baltimore County, uh, the first time a one seed had ever lost the 16 seed the year before. So we'll see, okay? In about 15 minutes, by the way, I'll give some tips on how to fill out your bracket from a Vegas perspective with some common sense uh, proven uh, methodologies. After Brian Finley's update, we'll project who we believe will end up being the four number one seeds when everything is rolled out next Sunday. And, of course, we wrap up the show with Mackinac Sports bringing in the only kind of data you can find uh, on the, I think this network, in all seriousness. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. As they say in Prince Rogers, Nelson, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. By the way, in about an hour, mark your clock, about an hour from now, I'm going to go into great depth, great detail on this saga called the Major League Baseball lockout, why they couldn't get a deal, what actually happened, how far apart they are, what happens next, and uh, and give you some some thoughts and perspective uh, in, in a little bit more granular way that I don't think is being reported. So wake the kids, alert the neighbors, grandpa put on pants. Uh, we're going to talk some baseball from the standpoint of people who want answers or angry. I all the time, people are reaching out to me uh, on Twitter asking uh, what my thoughts are, and I'm happy to give them. I've been giving daily updates as long as there is real news. So save that because uh, I do have real news. All right, let's go to my pick six, my six-pack, six pack, whatever you want to call it. Uh, obviously, the usual suspects, you start with Gonzaga. Look, what, what really caught my eye about Gonzaga was that their Ken Palm's adjusted efficiency range margin 
and uh, number two Arizona's were were the larger gap than between Arizona and UCLA, which was number ten at the time I did my research. So there's a gap there in 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 how truly talented um, Gonzaga really is. Okay, and I know. They just got upset recently and everything, okay. But the biggest differentiator with this Gonzaga team compared to last year's is defense, particularly on the interior. And uh, you bring in that long, lanky, seven foot two, hundred ninety pound Chet Holmgren. Well, he does have pretty good rim protecting ability, and he's changed the game for teams that try to attack the basket against the Zags because now the Zags rank third in the country per Ken Palm in two point field goal percentage defense. So when you look at the on-off numbers that truly illustrate Holmgren's impact when he is on the floor. Teams shoot about 47% at the rim. And compared to 56% when Chet Holmgren is not in the game. Uh, So Gonzaga very easily makes my top six list. I think they can win it all this year. Uh, The alone concern is how Gonzaga will deal with teams with elite athleticism. Uh, Last year, they looked a little overwhelmed by Baylor in the national championship game. However, we'll never know how much that UCLA game took out of them 40 hours before. Be that as it may, give huge props to Baylor. And the truth of the matter is, they did, Gonzaga did look a little uh, overmatched athletically. All right. Or the feeling was a little bit similar in November when Duke took them down in in Las Vegas. And uh, I believe they lost at home. Did they lose at home to Alabama? One of those schools. So, look, they can be had. It's just they're one of my six teams. Number two, Auburn. Look, there's no doubt that Auburn has elite personnel. That starts with arguably the best front court pairing in the sport and Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. They play a modern game, okay? It's as good a duo as you could possibly ask for as a coach. Uh, Kessler has elite uh, length. He also can protect the rim. He's... Got great instincts around the rim, and that's totally transformed Bruce Pearl's defense. He's also a great lob catcher on offense, and occasionally will have stretched the defense from deep, right? Then you've got Jabari Smith. He's he's not only a good shooter, he's a generationally good shooter. He's capable of elevating any over anybody thanks to his height, plus he's got long arms and a high release point. See, that's the kind of athleticism that can really put a scare into Gonzaga. Now, Bruce Pearl, he had, again, these are his two studs, Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith, but they're not the only players. As a matter of fact, Auburn has a deep roster of very athletic, competitive players who can not only handle the ball, they can defend. And I think backcourt play is very important in in the tournament. KD Johnson is is a guy who plays with great emotion, uh, and, and I think Bruce Pearl has done a good job in getting him to channel his energy and, and make it a positive but he plays downhill. He's relentless. He can go on tears from, from behind the arc. And while most elite teams have at least one great point guard, again, Pearl has a pair that not only complement each other. Then you've got a guy, Zip Jasper, who's a great game manager, manager, and right on down the line. Gonzaga is a team that is athletic and dynamic and scary. If they don't play boneheaded ball, they're going to be a very, 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 very tough out. As I mentioned with Arnie and uh, and Jason Martin about an hour ago, I really like Arizona. I haven't filled out my bracket yet, and it's not an official prediction, but if you put a gun to my head right now, I think Arizona's going to win it all. They're that good. You had three seven-footers, 
and they can shoot threes like nobody's business, man. And, you know, an anonymous coach who played the Wildcats earlier in the season basically said, Arizona, this is a hell of a compliment. Quote, Arizona plays with the X's and O's of Gonzaga and the talent of Duke or Kentucky. I don't know if it gets any better than that. Um, you know, and I think if you watch them, that that that's true. They the Arizona can flap and down the court. They can crush you on the offensive glass. They can dominate the paint. Uh, Christian Coloco is just an amazing presence around the rim and a great rim protector. Plus, you've got a future NBA lottery pick in Benedict. I think it's Mithurnin, Mithurnin, I can't ever pronounce his name right, who can be, again, another very explosive scorer when he's, when he's on a roll, when he's, when he's you know, on his game. These are the reasons why the, the Wildcats, if you've watched any of their games, they, they go through stretches. They look completely unbeatable. They look as unbeatable as those, you know, early 2000s Kentucky teams or 90s Duke teams or 80s, whatever, the UNLV team. You know, there was a game at Washington uh, a while back, Arizona. Um, they, they fell behind 25 to 11 to start the game. And then they, oh, nothing. They regroup, call timeout. They go on a 24-4 run. They're going on a 13-2 run. And then they took control. Then by the middle of the second half, they led by 28. So they're down by 14 and lead by 20. It's a 40-point turnaround. It's a freaking 40-point game. How does that happen? The only thing that concerns that that's, would be concerning with the Wildcats is the volatility of their point guard, Akir Carissa. He's, again, an emotional player. He's been very solid in his position. But at other times, uh, he'll go through stretches where he'll temporarily – shoot Arizona out of the game. <laughs> I don't think Arizona was ever out of a game. He had an 0-for-12 performance against UCLA in January, and it was sort of a glaring example of that. Uh, he didn't play well when when the uh, Arizona lost to Tennessee. But I think uh, he's good enough if he brings his A game to finish the job. Now, unlike Auburn, they don't have the depth there at point guard, but they have plenty of everything else. Kentucky, wouldn't you know it, John Calipari never count, count the old knucklehead out. What stands out most to me, again, another Wildcats. Just pick Wildcats, right? Arizona Wildcats, Kentucky Wildcats. Right now, they have what I believe very good role allocation. K- Kentucky's been really, really impressive since mid-December. And they have, you know, just three losses in that stretch, all on the road against top 20 Ken Palm teams, all three games, one of Kentucky's top guards missed a significant portion due to injury. And, uh, look, I would just say this. I can start naming all their players, you know, Oscar Chishave and Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington Jr. Again, they're all dynamic, athletic, highlight real guys when they got the ball in their hands, but they're steady players too, and they play within the framework of, of John Calipari's system. Now, they're not quite as prolific on the boards as some of the other teams I just mentioned which means more time to set their defense on one end and more opportunities to leak out and push transition on the other. So they play their way, and they, they're, they're sort of beholden to their way. And given how good Wheeler is in the open court, good luck stopping Kentucky once they get out and start to fill their lanes. They, 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 they've got, I would say, Kentucky, of every team I mentioned, has the best talent, best combination of talent and cohesion. And that's why they're going to be scary. All right, Baylor? They start out 15-0, and then they have a couple of home losses. And it's been a bit of a weird year. They're defending national champions. Stuff for teams to repeat. 
Teams just don't repeat anymore. But if anybody can do it, they can. They're among the top contenders. I think, you know, they're one of six teams that can cut down the nets. To me, it starts with point guard play, as I said earlier. So many of the best teams in the sport this season don't have a high-level, you know, lead guard. The Bears, they've got one, obviously, in James Akinjo. And, again, he's got to stay healthy because he's as good as anybody could hope for. He transferred in from Arizona. Great get for Scott Drew. He replaced Davian Mitchell and uh, Jared Butler. <coughs> Literally, he he did it himself. Now, I can't really say he's an NBA prospect, which is ironic, but he gives uh, Baylor's offense a level of of real, you know, fluidity and shot creation that some other teams lack. And when you add in the fact that Lil Cryer and Adam Flagler, they can fill it up. They're right next to him. The Bears have a terrific backcourt. They can win it all in March. Now, again, Baylor is longer and more athletic than it was athletic than it was last season. Now, that's due to the additions of a couple of freshmen, Kendall Brown and Jeremy Sachin. They will most likely be first-round picks. So look out, you know, Baylor, here we go. Now, Duke lost their final home game tonight. I'm sorry if you paid $3,400 for a ticket to get into Cameron Indoor or you one of the people that paid 15000 but that doesn't mean Duke won't finish the job in March um, and April. Uh, their ceiling is, again, it sounds like it's histrionics. Their ceiling is the highest in the sport because at its best, Duke has four players on the floor who can initiate ball screens and guard multiple positions on the defensive end anytime they want. It's that kind of flexibility in their size and their athleticism, their talent level. They can overwhelm teams. Now, they didn't tonight, but, you know, it was North Carolina. These things happen in that rivalry. They do have a pro-level score in Paulo Banchero. He can, he's capable of carrying a team down the stretch, and his fellow freshman, Al Griffin, has emerged as a, as a potent second option. Um, and, it, you know, I, there have been times this season where it felt like Duke was on cruise control, uh, maybe because the, week, the ACC is really down this year, in my opinion. And I think the, the Devils have gone into lapses. They've gone on a walkabout. I'm not saying tonight was one of them. But Duke, Duke's really versatile. The switchability of their wings, they make it very hard to explain, uh, exploit uh, any mismatches. And even though they're really still a relatively young team, they're, they're remarkably good at defending. And they don't commit a lot of fouls. They're pretty much disciplined that way. And that's a trait that usually transfers in well in March. Plus, all right, let's face it, it helps to have a coach who's been in a million Final Fours and national games before, and this is his final year. And I know that that doesn't guarantee anything, but I remember Al McGuire in 1977, the late great Al McGuire, who went on to become a phenomenal announcer, was head coach of the Marquette, then Warriors, 1977. Entered the tournament and announced at the beginning of the tournament a press conference this would be his last season. Somebody yelled, Al, you're kind of wily. Is this a ploy? For you to get the most out of your team so you can win the championship? He says, come on, man. We're not going to win the championship this year, not with teams like North Carolina in here. I hope we just become a you know, a cockroach in a plate of spaghetti so we can fall in and mess it up for everybody else. Well, guess what? In 1977, Al McGuire and the Marquette Warriors caught fire and they won the whole darn thing. Could that happen with Duke? It could. There's my six. Uh, someone mentioned... Uh, do I think Villanova? I might get to that later. I, You know, I, I really like Jay Wright. I would never count out Villanova. Again, this is based on who do I trust to win 
six in a row. If it was a one-game affair, Villanova could beat any one of these teams. But I don't know if they can win six in a row, so they can't quite make my list. So you have to call me out. Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, Duke, um, Kentucky, and Baylor. Those are my six-pack six of teams I think can win it all. So who who will be who will be uh, the potential? I'll tell you what. Let's save that for later. I'm going to save the potential one seeds for later. Now that I'll give you my pick six, let's talk about some tips for filling out your bracket. And uh, we'll get to that in uh, just a second. I want to remind you that this April 28th through the 30th, Vegas will be hosting the 2022 draft, an event that will be unlike any other with unparalleled energy and excitement that only the greatest arena on earth can deliver. Hey, I know I live here, man. The best part is now through March 13th, we're giving away a trip for two to be part of the energy and excitement. That's right. You and the lucky person of your choosing can win a trip to Las Vegas during draft weekend, April 28th through the 30th, to be sponsored by the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority. The prize package includes round-trip airfare to Vegas, a hotel stay on the Strip, access to Fox Sports Radio's draft broadcast, and more. To enter and get rules, visit foxsportsradio.com. That's foxsportsradio.com to win a trip to Vegas during draft weekend. Coming up, get your pens and pencils out. I'll give you some tips from a Vegas perspective how to fill out your bracket. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Frado, folks. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, we're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Before I get to the tips on filling out your bracket, real quickly, I want to respond to the tweeter at ML Times regarding Villanova. There is real value on Villanova because you can get them now at 25-1. to 1, And anytime you've got Jay Wright on the sidelines, you're going to have a team that plays smart, plays hard, and gets better as the season goes on, which they have. And actually, their numbers on the computer are good. Their offensive efficiency is fourth in the country. Their defense efficiency is 27th. And they're also very experienced. They have three seniors that start. However, my concern is that... They lack rim protection, great rim protection, and I'm not so sure how much depth they have. And so if you get into foul trouble, that's going to be an issue. Bench production is not how you win titles, but uh, you never know with Villanova. Uh, never would never count them on. They just can't make my top six. But at 25-1, to 1, you can hedge back and, uh, and, and get yourself some profits. At any rate, 
Let's get to the tips for filling out your bracket. First of all, first and foremost, most, under no circumstances should you pick all four number one seeds to reach the final four. It's tempting. You look at them. But it's only happened once, and that was back in 2008. And in the nine years since, just 12 number one seeds have reached the final four. Do the math. So out of 36 number one seeds in the last nine years, only 12 even reached the final four. So I would tell you uh, that if you pick all four number one seeds to make it to the final four, you're bucking history very much. However, do pick a number one seed to win it all because most likely history shows us there's about an 80% chance if you go back to 2010 uh, in this iteration of the tournament that if that a number one seed is going to win it all. Eight of the last 11 NCAA tournament champions were number one seeds, obviously including Baylor last year. History says this year should have another number one seed as well win it all. Find out where Gonzaga is. Plug them into the Elite Eight. They're a very good team. They've got the longest active Sweet 16 streak. They've appeared in four of the last six Elite Eights. And they've got the best team in college basketball this year, I think, on paper. They also have a, they'll, they'll also have a favorable 8-9 matchup. And two vulnerable teams at the 4-5 in their region. So while many are not calling Gonzaga a, a, a lock to the Final Four as they've been in the past... They've got the best odds to at least make the West Regional Final. And if you're dead set on having the Zags get upset before the Final Four, that would be the only round that makes sense to happen. They're going to get into the Elite Eight. I'd be shocked if they didn't. This is where they live. Now, everybody is gaga about analytics and metrics, and I get it. I've always said, look, analytics, they're important. They're, they told us what happened yesterday. They're a guideline, not an inflexible anchor. When it comes to the tournament, focus more on matchups than metrics. See, because metrics are a very good way of comparing all 357 teams against each other. And, uh, you know, you can drive yourself nuts. It can become very complicated when you start to compare two teams against each other. Because if you understand all the nuances that go into the general metrics, then fine. You want to live by the sword and die by the sword. You want to take Blake Snell out and cost your team the playoffs? No problem. The Dodger bench was sure happy with it. But the general fan should be more focused on matchups. Here's why. If two teams play similar styles, the better team is at a huge advantage. Why? Let's say one team plays defense that dares the other team to shoot threes. They pack it in. But that team shoots them very well. So all of a sudden, that advantage that the better team thought they had is gone. And the better team will be showing they're the better team by the metrics. But maybe they've got a small front court and the underdog has a big front court that could potentially dominate those individual matchups. Again, that should be a more appetizing upset pick for you, and it should be a more sound way for you to evaluate these games. So focus on matchups. You'll see all the matchups. You can look at their season records, who they played, how many points they scored, etc. When in doubt, just... Take an extra minute. Read up on those pesky mid-majors because you'd be surprised uh, the style that some of them play can create real trouble. And, you, you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Remember Murray State three years ago with John Morant? No one saw that coming. Finally, stars do win the close games. There is a survive and advance aspect to this, but over the 
you know, people want to make that final highlight in, in the, this the, with the song playing in, in, the, in the background as the music bed after the final nets are cut down on that Monday night. There's an old saying, though, look, a star may win you one game, but a team might win them all. But the tournament has an obvious survive and advance mentality to it. So as you focus on individual matchups, you're banking on a series of one-on-one, of one-game playoffs. So you want the ball in the hand of the stars when it gets into crunch time and the heat gets hot and starts to breathe. If you're stuck on a game and truly think it's going to come down to the wire, again, look at the roster, go with a team that has the one or two players you trust to make the plays when they're needed. Again, teams win games, I get that. But the stars win these individual ones when they come up big, which is why they became stars in the first place. Coming up, we'll get back to who I think will end up being the number one seeds. But first, let's go to the Silver Tongue Devil. Brian Finley with the latest. Thank you so much, Bernie. LeBron James maximizing his performance with a 56-point outing on Saturday night for the Lakers as they stick it to the Warriors, 124-116. to The Timberwolves overwhelm the Trailblazers, 135-121. to Carl Anthony Towns multitasking with 36 points along with 15 rebounds. The Grizzlies continuing their dominant ways as they serve some humility to the Magic, 124 124- to 96. Memphis now second place in the Western Conference in just by a little bit, a half game ahead of the Warriors who have been struggling lately and certainly after their most late latest loss to LA. The Heat storm past the 76ers 99-82. to Miami has won 11 out of their last 13 games. How about the Mavericks? They were down 19 points. They did not have Luka Doncic and they still found a way against the Kings and it took everything to make it happen. 114 to 113, a a nail-biter of a final there. In college basketball, number 17 UCLA, they get a home win against their rival, number 16 USC, putting the Trojans in their place, 75 to 68, as the Bruins finish second in the Pac-12 regular season. So the conference is getting ready for their Pac-12 tourney. North Carolina, Unseats number four Duke 94 to 81 in Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor. How about number three Baylor as they tiptoe past Iowa State 75 to 68? James Akinjo scored 20 points, and the Bears have now clinched a share of the Big 12 title. Number two Arizona, a team that Bernie is very high on, they won the Pac 12 regular season title as they stomp on Cal 89 to 61. Also, a victory for number six Kansas as they hang on against number 21, Texas, 70-63 to in overtime. David McCormick had a sensational night, 22 points and 10 boards. Number 7, Kentucky, fly-swatting Florida, 71-63. to The Wildcats have won four straight in Gainesville. And finally, through three rounds of the PJ Tour's Arnold Palmer Invitational, Taylor Gooch and Billy Horschel share the lead through three rounds seven under for both of them heading into sunday's final round from orlando florida now let's get it back to our guy from las vegas nevada bernie fratto all right thanks so much brian so a week from today uh at i believe i want to believe it's around 3 30 pacific time 6 30 eastern thereabouts uh you'll have the uh selection show sunday march madness which in most years has really been something that we, you know, look for, wait for with bated breath. 
I don't know why I can't put my finger on exactly why we perhaps haven't watched or talked about or observed or been as opinionated about college basketball this year with the same intensity and the same angst and the same emotion that we've had in past years. But I think that'll flip quickly when the uh, when the brackets are, are announced and people start to fill out their brackets and it becomes a very interactive and people will descend on Vegas here. Uh, the you know for those amazing first four days that first day is incredible, and so you know there's a lot of pride you 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 will see. Uh, it's been commonplace where camera crews are ready at the various schools, uh, and they celebrate when they get the bid, and then of course when they find out they're a number one seed. You know, it's it's become a made-for-TV show. By the way, not for nothing, this is what the baseball owners envision they can do if they have a, a bigger playoff, actually have a selection show. That's a conversation for later tonight, but uh, picture that because it's a it's a model, it's a, it's a format that has worked very, very well. So it's not too soon now to pop the timely question. Who are the number one seeds? All right, I'm just going to... Blurt it out. I believe the number one seeds will be Gonzaga, Auburn, Arizona, and Kansas. Now, I know I just gave the top six. I don't have Kansas winning at all. And as I just mentioned, remember in the last nine years, out of 36 potential top four, out of 36 top four seeds that could become potential final four teams, only nine of the 36 made it. And, uh, you know, only the only time all four number one seeds got to the final four with 2008 only time in history. Now it's going to be very hard. I think to move the first three off the top line, I feel like Gonzaga, Auburn and Arizona are locked, but I find it interesting to see that Kentucky was the number two seed in the Kansas region. When, when the basketball committee last Saturday revealed its top 16 overall seeds, given the fact that Kentucky kicked Kansas's took us, Back at Allen, at Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse by 18 points. That's why sometimes these these things are so uh, non-scientific. Look, there's a very good chance that could flip, and you can see Kentucky's the number one seed. Baylor also in the mix for a number one seed. I think the committee's concerned. They can talk about blind resumes, but the Bears have a lot of injury issues that are, could potentially rear their head. That said, Baylor with everyone healthy is a threat to repeat. Now, mind you. I'm projecting and guessing four number one seeds, not who the champion will be. So uh, although I had Baylor in one of my top six teams that I believed could win it all, I don't have them in the top in the final four. Kansas, I think, is in the final four based on the region they're projected to be in, but I don't think they can win it all. Sorry to piss you off, Kansas fans. I'll wait, I'll wait for your tweets. So this part of it's a guess. Um, who will be the number one seeds? I will just about guarantee you the three of those four are in locks to be number one seeds, Gonzaga, Auburn, and Arizona. Arizona has been a phenomenal overachiever. I just, no one I, don't, no one I know really saw this coming to this degree at the beginning of the year. They brought in Tommy Lloyd as their head coach last spring. So I think Lloyd knows a thing or two about winning because he spent 20 years as an assistant at Gonzaga. So when you consider that he's come from a, a culture and a program, he knows what that looks like. He knows what that takes. But they're not the only surprise overachiever this year. Providence, they've been at the top of the Big East standings all season. Huge props. Texas Tech, even though they got upset, Chris uh, Beard departs, but his former assistant takes over, Mark Adams. 
He brings in a bunch of transfers. They haven't missed a beat. Texas Tech is scrappy. And there's an old saying about Texas Tech that uh, they'll fight you when hell freezes over and then they'll fight you on the ice. And uh, that's a culture that's been there for a while. Now, there's been some teams that have been really big disappointments and underachievers as well, not the least of which is Michigan. Uh, I think they're the two biggest, the North Carolina. And the North Carolina had a nice moral victory tonight going into Duke and beating Coach K in his final game. They did it in style. I believe they won by 13. And I saw the Wolverines play here in Las Vegas in November in the Classic, and uh, I thought they looked pretty good. They were they were number six in the nation then. I was super impressed with Hunter Dickinson. His footwork, his big man, his, his agility as a big man and skill around the rim was really impressive. And, you know, and not only was Michigan a consensus top team, so was North Carolina, but even before Juwan Howard's meltdown, they were on the bubble. I think they're showing as the last four in right now, but they're going to have to win at least a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, I believe, at least. And for whatever reason, the Tar Heels are only 2-7 and seven in quad one games. Those are the toughest games, according to the NCAA's net rankings. And they were also ranked in the preseason. But, again, first-year coach Hubert Davis, they've really struggled, unlike Arizona, who has flourished under their first-year coach, Tommy Lloyd. It's just the way it shakes out sometimes. Conference championships are going to be a blast this week. I think you can make a case. Uh, that I, I think I heard Brian Finley talking about this on Gottlieb show last week. And he's not wrong. Some of these conference championship matchups and tournaments are in many ways more exciting than the tournament. And here's why. Because a lot of those mid-major teams know they have to win to get in or they're done. When you're in the tournament, you're in. And very few people really expect a 15 seed to be to one if you get my drift. Just getting there is the reward. So to get that reward, you've got to go through this gauntlet known as your conference tournament. Not so easy. The Mountain West tournament will be a great one. You've got San Diego State, Boise State, Wyoming, UNLV. Don't count them out. Uh, this could be a four-bid league, and I wouldn't be shocked if they got all four. And uh, they've got a, a you know breakout player, David Roddy of Colorado State. Uh, again, you've got some of the lesser, the West Coast Conference Tournament that's also here in Las Vegas. You, you know, you'll get to see Gonzaga teed up against St. Mary's. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the big boys in the ACC and the Big Ten, those, those are bloodbaths. But some of the smaller conference tournaments are very entertaining and, and very exciting. And there's, those are the teams that have gotten us, the, or those are the conferences that have gotten us the, you know, the Valpos and, the Butlers and some of the upstart teams that have made a run uh, in past years. So hopefully we see that again this year. But again, the moral of the story is the conference tournaments who uh, will commence this week are often more exciting than the uh, big dance itself. Not to say that the big dance isn't, but the conference tournaments are a lot of fun to watch. And you talk about all kinds of basketball coming at you like you're drinking through a fire hose. Yeah, all that and more. All right, coming up, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. What a segue. He's going to take a look at some of the conference tournament finals, and he's got a 57% trend going back 15 years. The best research in the business, Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. I'm Bernie Frater. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Frater. Now we're back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live 
From the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios, before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, Chris Perfett, Brian Finley, and Bo Benson, and they'll be with me all the way through 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. At this time, let's welcome in a gentleman. You know him, you love him, can't live without him. Mackenzie Rivers, Mackinac Sports. And Mackenzie, perfect segue. I was just talking about the uh, college basketball conference tournaments, and they commence this week. Yes, the Shamrock Shake is back at McDonald's. You know what that means. <laughs> it's March, and it's college basketball season. Now, there's an effective betting strategy for the last 15 years, last 16 years, since 2005. If all you did was look at neutral site conference finals games and bet under, you've been cashing 57% of the time. Rationale, a lot of these kids have never played in a finals game of any sort in the college basketball ranks or higher. And you have a neutral site, so the the atmosphere can be uh, can be tight. It can be conservative, and these teams tend to walk the ball up the court again. Fifty-seven percent the last fifteen years. If all you did was bet under a neutral site finals games, however, the market is very canny. The market adjusts. If you just did, if you did that same strategy the last three years, 2018 on, I'm sorry, you're actually losing slightly more than fifty percent. If you bet the closing number, if you bet the closing total, the market has already moved and you're, you're getting more overs than unders, the system doesn't work. However, if you look at from the open to close, these totals on average move three points per game. Opens at 150, closes at 147 on average. So, what does this tell me? It tells me that bookmakers aren't really, aren't really keen to this. They don't really care. They look at their totals, they have their algorithms, and they just, they just play it. The betters are the sharp ones. The betters have caught on to this, and that's why, on average, you look at a conference final game tomorrow, Loyola Chicago versus Drake. Line hasn't come out yet. Bold prediction. That line is going to close, on average, if history is any indicator, three points lower than when it opens. Let me ask you a question. Why do you suppose that that trend is so prevalent just because? I mean, I know defenses are tighter. The first five minutes of a game can... There's emotions and jitters and stuff, and when, you know, it's for all the marbles, it changes the dynamic of everything. But is there, a, is there an angle, McKenzie, that leads you to that conclusion? It's not a conclusion, you got the data. But is there an angle that you think is the catalyst behind why that's the case? It's, it's perplexing because it's, it's, uh, it's so consistent over so long, you would think that the, that, the totals would eventually just have part of their system making the adjustment. I find it interesting that it's neutral sites, particularly, where you're getting fans from both sides. You're getting uh, kind of a more maybe that creates a more tense environment. However, like you said, I don't really need to know more than there's been 400 conference finals games and 171 overs, 224 unders. That doesn't tell me I'm going to go out and bet it blindly. I'm just saying if you're betting a conference final total, you should be aware of this trend. If anything, because let's say you like the over, you have your own model and you think these teams aren't going to be that conservative, these teams are going to run and gun. Well, if you have this data, even if you disagree with this conclusion, even if you want to bet an over in one of these games that historically has been an under game, well, then wait. You, there's always two sides of the coin. You can wait. You can see, on average, these totals are moving three points. You know, there's good arguments on every side of a bet, but you, you always do better if you get the best number. So wait till it drops on average three points and then bet the over if you like over in Loyola Chicago Drake tomorrow. <laughs> so, is there any particular conference 
you find this is more prevalent in like for instance the Big Ten where defense is always first. It, it was it was interesting last year seven and one in Power Six. Uh, power six games went to the over, but that the ten. The, so it wasn't very consistent in the in the big conferences, but in the smaller conferences, we kept up and saw more unders than overs. I'll tell you one quick trend that's really strong because I've covered the uh, Mount West Conference here uh, every year since 2012. Is that if you bet the underdog in the championship game, it's amazing how they come through. It's especially if they're it's the number two versus the number one. You take the number two. Final thoughts on this subject matter, and you do you have a best bet? Yes, I have a bet. Loyola Chicago versus Drake is going to go under. All right, great stuff, Mackenzie. We'll have you back in an hour, and uh, more good stuff throughout the evening. That's Mackinac on Sports with Mackenzie Rivers coming up. I take a deep dive, and I mean a deep dive, into the Major League Baseball lockout. Why was there no deal? What happened? How far apart are they? What needs to happen next? What will happen next? Keep it locked right here. Wake the kids, alert the neighbors. Grandpa, put on pants. Up next, I'm Bernie Fratto. We continue with Fox Sports Sunday.